that uh, Dallas Raby had passed away and um, I knew before I opened up what it said it was sad um, especially for those of you that knew him but in the in the middle of the email um, there was a, a reminder that he got promoted to glory and so uh, that's pretty awesome that's a that's the perspective we need to have I don't care how good of a day you're having today or I'm having Dallas is having a better day so that is awesome and that's the promise to every believer that's here today um, and it's appropriate the next song is called Bound for Glory um, pay attention to the words as you sing it and let it be a reminder that we uh, all believers here today have that, that promotion ahead of us I am here before a moment. 
all I've ever known That this world is not my home This world is not my own These burdens aren't my future The empty tomb has shown That is now for glory I am free because I Stand on holy ground I am bound for glory Saving work is done And death is not my end My God has overcome I am bound for glory sermon. It's been an honor to serve with you guys the last couple of weeks. I have to say it's so great when we can all come together. If we don't know each other, we have one thing in common, which is the best thing, and that's Jesus. We can share in that and, and worship him. Heaven is going to be pretty amazing, I think. We're going to hear and see colors we've never seen and notes we've never sung or sung here and they didn't sound right. They're going to sound okay there. <laughs> so let's pray together, okay? Lord Jesus, we just thank you so much for this uh, morning that you've given us. Thank you for the breath 
in our lungs that we take for granted every time we breathe it. Lord, we just thank you for loving us, for filling these chairs before we got here, for waiting expectantly for each person that arrived. And some had a hard morning getting here, Lord. So I pray that you'll clear their minds, that they'll be able to focus on your word, that you'll till our hearts, that soil in our hearts, Jesus, so you can root down deeper. Lord, I just pray that you'll be with our pastor this morning as he brings your word. Anoint him, guard him well. Lord, I just pray that you will guard our hearts. Don't let us be distracted, Jesus. Let us long for you more and more and more. And Jesus, let us be changed when we walk out these doors. Change us. Get rid of the stuff you're trying to purge. And Lord, I pray that when we leave here, we're excited so we can tell someone about you. Jesus, we're on grace right now. We're riding on grace on time before you return. So I pray that we'll remember that. Keep that at the forefront of our minds. Lord, people need you. We need you. We can't do this life without you. Can't breathe without you. We just need you so much. So come fill this place. You are welcome and invited here. And I pray that, that we will leave changed and that you will just give us a wonderful and safe week. We love you so much. Thank you for all you've done and you do for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, all right, so we're going to move into a time of giving of our tithes and offerings this morning. So if I could have our ushers go ahead and come on down, that would be great. Will you all pray with me this morning over our tithes and offerings? Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning as we uh, give of our tithes and offerings to you, as we give back to you what you have provided for us and I just pray that you would bless this offering and that you would continue to bless this church and everything that we're doing and that uh, what is given to you would bear fruit. And we just pray that you would uh, bless this offering and bless this service this morning as we uh, move into our time uh, more with you this morning. So Lord, I pray that you would just be with us this morning and continue to uh Bless us as we worship and praise you this morning. Lord, we love you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, now if kids, if you've got an offering, we have our joy bucket up here, I think is what it, joyful bucket up here if you'd like to bring your offering. Now kids, as you come, you are more than welcome to stay up here as we turn it over to Pastor Scott and Sermon in the Sack. All right, kids, come on up here. Come on up. We got a nice big platform for you guys to have a seat. You put you put that in there, man. Or no, don't give it to me. All right, come on down. I know we have more kids than that. I feel like. Come on down. So those for those that do not know, this is one of our. You're safe, Jackson. For the Sunday, one Sunday of the month. We have the kids in for the full service. We have this thing called Sermon in the Sack, which Pastor started and does, and somehow I've been designated to do it this go-around. So here we go. Who's ready? Um, Mason's ready. You guys are ready? Okay. 
So what Sermon in the Sack is, is that one of these kids have, and I think it's Rosalind Collins today, has a sack with an object in it. And I will be looking at that object, never seen it before, don't know what it is, we're about to have a lesson about that object. So, Rosalind, will you come on up here, open up the sack, and let's give this a go. You guys, can you guys do a drum roll? Drum roll, please. Thank you. Oh! have an umbrella. This is an umbrella, Rosalind. Do you want to give, do the honors of popping this open? There's no button here. So, we all know what this is, right? What does this do? Although it doesn't really do it very well right now. You can have a seat, Rosalind. It what? Keeps away the rain, right? Have you guys used an umbrella before? Right? Okay. So, this wouldn't work very well right now, but yes, it keeps away the rain. And so, when you're walking through, and we have some rain forecasted this week, and hopefully not too much crazy snow for our trunk or treat this week, but it keeps away the rain. You stand under it, right? Let's see what happens. Are you going to try to throw water on me? Well, we won't try that right now. She wants to see what happens, maybe. She puts water on me. But an umbrella keeps us dry and away from the rain. And what happens when you get wet and then cold? What might happen after that? You turn into an ice cube? Maybe. It's close. You might catch a cold, right? You might get sick, and we don't want that. Who's, had a, who's been sick here before? Anybody? Nobody. Everybody's been sick, right? We don't want to do that. Well, we have a very cool thing. We have access to the Holy Word. We have access to the Bible. Has anyone here read anything from the Bible? You guys have read the Bible, right? The Bible can somewhat serve as an umbrella to us. Sometimes we go through life, we're not really sure where to head or what to do, but the Bible helps guide us, and it will keep us from the raindrops that might be cold, that might make us sick. Um, and that could be things that people might say that's hurtful, right? Um, things that people say to us that might hurt us might be a cold, wet drop that makes us sick later, right? But knowing the Bible, knowing the Word, we have scriptures that we can go to and remember. And, uh, and we can use that as a shield from what might make us sick later. Does that kind of make sense? So... Keep reading in your Bibles. I know your parents are going to help you with that. Um, I'm, I'm sure Miss McKenzie helps with explaining what some of these stories mean. And you can use those things from the stories in your own life to help you shield from things that this world's going to try to throw at you. Does that make sense, guys? And that is our umbrella sermon in the sack. So I think you guys have a folder. Miss McKenzie's going to hand out to you guys, so go ahead and head over towards Miss McKenzie, and you guys can stick it out with us as Greg comes. How's, it? How's everyone doing? It's a great day in the neighborhood, and we're going to have fun. If you have your Bibles, turn me to Ephesians chapter 3. 
Scott, you, you did a great job. <laughs> we, we, three weeks ago, we decided who would do Sermon in the Sack, and he volunteered to do that. I, I, think, we ought to, I think we ought to give him another hand. <laughs> wow. Ephesians 2, 8, and, 2, 8, and 9, and 10 for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not of the result of works, so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now in Philippians 2, Verse 12, the second part of the verse, it says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. God has something for all of us to do within our lives. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for the reading of your word. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to understand, Lord, what you have for us this morning. I pray that you will, that, that you will give us clarity of, understand, of, of uh, understanding within our mind. And, Father, that you would drop it into our heart and then into our hands and our feet and our mouth and our ears that we may apply your word Every day, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Who am I? I want you to ask this question to yourself. Who am I? How many of you asked that question? Who am I? I believe that, that identity leads to purpose. Identity leads to purpose. Here's a, here's a clue from the Old Testament of, of what leads to our identity. Know that the Lord, He is good. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who has made us and not we ourselves. We are His people. The first key to unlocking our identity begins when we unlock, when, when we come to Jesus and we receive him into our hearts. When that happens, we're into a new story. Dr. Christopher Wright wrote, who we, who we are depends on what story we are in. Who we are depends on what story we are in. Frodo, remember Frodo in the Lord of the Rings? Frodo in the Lord of the Rings asked the question, whose story have we fallen into? And I want to ask you this morning the same question. Whose story have you fallen into? Here's some questions to ask. Does the story I am in have meaning? Does the story I am in express hope? Does the story I am in 
give life? Those are great questions. If not, if your story doesn't match those questions, you need to jump out of your story you got right now and jump into another one. Let me, let me give you another one. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, should not perish, but have everlasting life. My friends, that's a story to be in. That's a great story to be in. Consider, consider the verse that Scott mentioned last week. It's John 10.10. 10. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and destroy. And Jesus said, and he's talking about the content here is him being the shepherd. And he says that I have come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. More abundantly. As we come into Jesus' story, we come to the awareness that God has made us. When, when, I, was, when I was 12 years old, I went to visit my great uncle with my dad. He had a TV radio repair shop. How many remember those? And, and I, was, I was in that shop, and my dad and my great uncle were talking about things. And my great uncle looked at me in some point of a conversation with me and said, Greg, when God made you, he threw away the mold. I didn't know how to take that. This, this was going through my mind. When God made me, he threw away the mold. And then I began to thinking about this later on. I am unique. There's nobody in the world like me. I want you to think about this. When God made you, Individually, he threw away the mold. There is not a single person in history, in the past, that is like you. There is no person in the present that is like you. And there will be no person in the future that is like you. God made you who you are to fulfill a part of the story of his kingdom. He has made each of us unique to, uh, to quote Dr. Seuss. Today you are you. That is truer than true. There is no one alive that that is youer than you. <laughs> but I want us to get a hold of that fact that God made each of us unique to everyone else. My identity is not in what I do. My identity is in who I am 
And I can make a further statement. My identity is who I am in Christ. Your identity is who you are in Jesus Christ. In this new story that we have dropped into, <laughs> we ask another question. What is my purpose? What is my purpose? That, when we find that, we answer the question, why am I here? It's estimated that only 3% of the people in the United States can even ask, can even answer that question. But we are called to the pursuit of God's will within our lives and to the development of Christ-like character. That's what we are to do. And this is the application of salvation, the work that Christ has done, already accomplished for us, and it also answers the question what the Holy Spirit is doing within us right now. Think about this. The Scripture says that He is working in us. God will and is working in you. He is working in you. And He will work in you before he will work through you. Everybody with me? We on track? Okay. Watchman Nee wrote in 1948, in the work of God, the worker is more important than the work. If God cannot find the right person, he would rather delay his work. Much, of the, much time and effort will he spend training the worker to be able to do the work. Basically, the training is more in the, in, the, in the areas of character. God is working character within our lives. In fact, if, if you will turn, don't do it right now, but if you will turn in Timothy and, and, and Titus and see what, what Paul writes of the qualifications of deacons and of elders. It's all about character. God is, God is working on who we are so that we can accomplish his will within our lives. When we find ourselves in Jesus' story, he, help, he gives us a part in that story. And he has, there's four workings. Number one, God employs us. God employs us. He gives us something to do that will further his kingdom in the area that we live. And, and, I, I want to, and I, I've already mentioned this before, but God gives each of us a unique role within his kingdom. When I was growing up, everybody put the pastor on a pedestal and said, that's his job. And everybody else went around doing whatever. But I, I want us to understand, pastors don't live on pedestals. Amen, Scott? It, it's a terrible place to be. We all have a work to do. 
And God has called every one of you in the vocation that you are in. He has placed you strategically in that place that you would affect people through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to look around at each other. Come on, look around at each other. And you are uniquely made. God has given you a purpose. God has given you something to do here that will not only affect your life, but will affect the kingdom of God. Uh, but, but God employs us. It means that God makes us useful within his kingdom. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. Paul writes this. For this reason I remind you that you fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in the sufferings of the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. Again, God calls us into various vocations to influence this world for Jesus. God called me to be a pastor. I've already shared that. Speaking in front of people scared me to death, and I, I, I've argued with God about that. But th there's another thing about my personality. I, at one, one point, I was very task-oriented. Now, let, let me ask this question. How many of you, I need everybody to raise your hand that this, this applies. How many of you are task-oriented? Let me see your hands. Okay. And how many of you are people-oriented? Okay. About half and half. That's about the way it goes, I think. I was very task-oriented. And I said, I, I was arguing of God again. By, by the way, don't do that. <laughs> he always wins <laughs> and I said God being a pastor you work with people and I am very task oriented and you've called me to be a people person so at one point I, I always used to make lists since I met my wife I haven't <laughs> but I don't know why <laughs> But, huh? No, she does not make lists for me. <laughs> she hates lists. <laughs> but I used to make lists, and every day I would check off the things I was doing, task-oriented. And one day, the thought came to me, and I, I know that this, is, this was from God, that I need to put people, number one, on my list. So, that way it would force me to have more relation, be more relational with people. 
and I put people on my list. And I bought a daytimers. I remember daytimers. I bought a daytimers, and every day on my list, I put people. And, and then I would put certain people that I needed to go see and encourage and, and to, uh, to, to lift up and to help. And you know what happened? All of a sudden, I become more relational. Why is that? Was it because God called me to be a pastor? No, it's because I realized that being task-oriented, I can put people in that slot, and that can be a result that I'm having a relationship with people. And, and that, my friend, is a great thing. But God gives us different assignments. In fact, I believe the biggest assignment he gives us, the harvest is great. Help wanted. God has called each of us to be part of that harvest. Number two, let's move. He gives us the energy to carry out his work. Who energizes you? Who is it that energizes you? Let me, let me give you a little story. People are like elevators. You, you ever notice that? People are like elevators. When you see them coming down the street, they either, and you, have, you, you connect with them, they either take you up another level or they take you down in the basement. Now maybe you know what I'm talking about. Some people, every time you see them, they encourage you, they add value to your life, they lift you up and they make you feel better. Some people, every time you see them, They take you down to a lower level, and you find yourself climbing out of the basement. How many of you like climbing out of the basement? No, I don't either. Let, let me give you a little hint. When you know people have up elevators, spend as much time as you can with them, because you're going to need it. And when you know people has a B in their elevator, and that's the only thing they got is a great big bee, and you see them walking down the street, turn around and go the other way. Because we don't need discouragement within our lives. We need encouragement. And when someone encourages us, it energizes us. It really gives us strength to carry on with what we are doing. A conversation with God. God's elevator takes us higher than anybody else's. <laughs> he energizes us in doing his will. We sang this song, a little bit of it, but when we have the Holy Spirit within us, when we receive Christ, the Holy Spirit comes within us, and when that happens, the same power, I want you to listen to this, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. And sometimes I've said, Lord, you've given me this assignment. I don't think I can do it. And all of a sudden, God reminds me, I put the Holy Spirit within you. 
And that same power that helped Jesus on this earth, that same power that raised Jesus from the dead, that same power that helped the apostles, that same power that's helped missionaries and pastors throughout all these years is within you. And He will help you. The Holy Spirit will help you to do that. Number three, God equips us. In, equip means encouraging qualities undeveloped in people. Peter gives us this hint in 2 Peter 1. His divine power has given us everything we need that pertains to life and godliness. Everything. And then he gives us lists. Faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, love. And, and, and then he adds these verse. If you have these things, if these things are yours and abound, you will be, no, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I believe that every one of us should be spending time with somebody else, encouraging them, adding value to them, and mentoring to them. Paul, Paul wrote this to Timothy, who was his, Tim, Paul was mentoring Timothy. You then, my child, be strengthened in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Now, what's he doing? He is saying that he is telling Timothy to mentor other men who is going to mentor other men. Find someone to mentor women who will mentor women. We are to be mentors of, of, of other people. I wish... In pastoring in my early years, I had gotten this, but I didn't. And, and later on in ministry, I began spending more time with fewer people and pouring my life into them. And I want to tell you something. It made a difference in their lives. It made a difference in their lives. Who are you equipping who are you mentoring today for the kingdom of God? Last, God enables us. To enable means to give someone authority or means of doing something. Jesus told his disciples, one of the last things he told them was this, all authority has been given to me on heaven and on earth. I have read that many, many times, all authority has been given to me on heaven and earth. And I've come to one conclusion how that applies to me. That when he calls me to do his work, he shares with me his authority to accomplish it. Let me give you an illustration. One of my mentors told me this story. His 12-year-old daughter went into her brother's room, who was 15, and looked at the mess in his room, 
and said, I think you need to clean your room. And you know what the brother did? He looked at his sister and said, who in the world do you think you are? I'm not going to clean my room. I'm satisfied with it like this. Four days later, the sister came back into the brother's room and looked at her brother and says, Mom says, Mom told me that both of us are supposed to clean our room. And brother cleaned his room. You know what the difference was? Number one, she was going in her own strength and her own power, her own authority. But the second time she came into that room, she was coming in her mother's authority. And because of that, brother carried out the mission that mom wanted them to do. And here's the mission that God gives us to do. Go make disciples. I believe this needs to be one-on-one. -on -one. We can do a lot of things in small groups. I love small groups. I love meetings like this. But I want to tell you, one-on-one, one-on-two, -on -one, discipling really gets down to the nitty-gritty of things. And it, and it works like this. When, when you mentor someone, you find someone to mentor. And you go get them. And... You mentor that person. And while you are mentoring that person, then secondly, we are to go get someone else. Okay, get her first. Yep. Do you see what's happening? It started out with me, and then it went to me and Scott, and then it moved all up to this area that people are mentoring. I'm not going to bring my wife up because she needs to mentor me more than I need to mentor her. <laughs> but but yeah, you guys can sit down. Thank you. Give him a hand. John 10, 10 again. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. I want to end with two questions. Number one, whose story are you in? Whose story are you in? We're either in the story of the thief who comes to bring destruction to our life, who comes to make it hard in our life, who comes to destroy our life, or we're in the story of the shepherd and that's Jesus.
we're in his story. Whose story are you in? I want everyone to bow your heads, please. No one looking around. I want to ask you if there's anyone here who will say, Greg, this morning I, I hear you preaching to Christians, to believers, to followers of Jesus. And this morning, I've come to the realization I am not following Jesus myself. And I want to do something about that. I want to follow Jesus in my life. I want to drop into his story. It sounds much better than the story I'm in. If you want to, if you want to receive Jesus this morning, I want to ask that you just raise your hand and tell me that's me. Anyone? Yes. Anyone else? Yes. Anyone else? Yes. You can put your hand down. Anyone else? I want us to pray this simple prayer together, all of us. Okay? Repeat after me, Father. I thank you for Jesus Christ. I thank you for his story. And Lord, I don't like the story I'm in. I have sinned. I have done things against your word. And Father, I repent. And I ask Jesus to come into my heart to make me part of his story and to make the difference in my life and my family. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you said that prayer the first time, Scott, would it be okay if I ask him to come see you? I want you to come up and see Scott and talk with him about that. It, it's important that we realize whose story we are in. Now, the second part is this. To those who are believers, Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And there is a comma in there. Let me ask you, which side of the comma are you living? That you might have life or that you might have abundant life? I want you to know that we don't have to struggle through this life. That same power that rose Jesus from the dead is in us. And God has given us the victory. God helps us day by day to follow him. We can live on the right side of that comma. And it's abundant living. And that's finding the will of God within our lives. And as our mission statement says, helping each other grow into the will of God. And, and we, we need to be a people that do that every day within our lives.
Let me ask just one question before I give a blessing. Who can you encourage today? Who can you encourage today? Let me give you a blessing. May the God of peace make you perfect in every good work to do his will. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now take that grace and find someone and share it with them. Amen? You're dismissed. Thank you.